Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, and best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to learn how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I have a very special guest today with me, Avi Cody, who is a partner and managing director for Boston Consulting Group, otherwise known as BCG. In this episode, uh, we'll be talking about their bionic company framework. Welcome, Avi. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. So, so Avi, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your role at BCG. Well, uh, as you as you just told, told your viewers, I'm a managing director with BCG. I've been about uh, 14 years now at the firm. I focus on people and organization topics and the intersection between people and organization and some of the disruptive technologies around automation uh, that we're seeing. So that's what I spend my time on, helping companies manage this change, thrive in this change, and actually prepare for the future. Excellent. So we're talking to you about this bionic company framework. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I grew up, I grew up in the 70s, and there was a show called The Six Million Dollar Man, who was a bionic man put together. He was out fighting crime, etc. cetera. Um, BCG chose this imagery. Can you discuss what it, what it means from that perspective? Yeah, sure. Um, yes, I get that a lot around the, the bionic, where it comes from. Um, so, you know, when we were starting to look at like kind of what is going to be the future, particularly COVID was a trigger, but we were doing this work even before, we looked at some of the digital natives around companies that have been really successful in the recent past. We're talking about Alibaba, Amazon, Google, et cetera. And what we quickly realized is, that they had they had they had done something which we which we only were thinking about, but they had done something really really uh, unique, which is they had broken the trade-off between technology versus people, and in a way they've actually utilized two things that have happened in the in the in the in the context that has really enabled that. One is technology has come along to a state where it can be a very very nimble tool to do what you want. And then the second thing is this whole design thinking concept that has permeated the business ether. So by combining these two, they're able to not say it's not technology or people, it's around how can you make the people better in a symbiotic relationship with technology. So that's what we're trying to communicate, that there is there is this, uh, we're trying to break the uh, trade-off, but we're also trying to make the connection between technology and people through this imagery. And that's a good segue to the next question I want to ask you, which was related to that. So, you know, when we talk about digital uh, transformation, we a lot of times talk about the technology and the Mm -hmm. data aspects, but obviously there's a lot more to it. Um, Can you talk us through the impacts on people through the lens of the Bionic company? Yeah. And, you know, it depends. There's a huge impact on just the people, and it also depends at different different types of uh, impacts. I think the first is just in terms of how leaders think about transformation. When you start thinking about digital transformation, oftentimes in the past, it has been very technology forward or it is termed as a digital transformation. And what we're saying through Bionic, one of the key things that has to shift is you have to talk about what is the value you're trying to deliver to the customer or to the employee. So the customer-centered uh, thinking has has been has been around for a while now. It's it's really become core. 
we're also saying it has to be also an employee-centered way of thinking about it. So the leadership mindset has to be different. I think the skills and capabilities that we will need in the future are very different for the employees. So, you know, you take the example of HR professionals. Today, it's, it's a lot of social science background. It's an ability to understand people, et cetera, but it also is ability to do the transaction processing activities. But increasingly in the future, we're talking about data analysts who are actually going to be able to interpret data, look at attrition data, and actually say, what's predict prediction of uh, uh, attrition? So it's the capabilities that, that are going to be needed are going to be different. The other thing that's going to be different is that the flexibility of the organization and the culture has to be much less around, this is my fixed role, and this is what I need to do. And it is going to be much more about the front-facing employees being able to take data and make decisions. Earlier, it used to be a cascade of data flowing up, and then somebody makes a decision, and then the actions flow down, because technology gives you the analytical uh, analysis right in front of you. The employees need to make this decision. So leaders have to be flexible to enable the organization to do that, which is actually a pretty big change if you're a top-down culture. And that's that's true. And I, I, when you talk about that culture yeah. piece, it, how, how does this bionic transformation affect a company's culture? Uh, it's it's a, both a necessity for the bionic transformation to work, but also something that the bionic transformation actually drives. In in many senses, what we what we tend to talk about when we talk about a bionic transformation is there are a set of outcomes you're trying to drive towards. Right, which has a technology component and which has a people component. But at the end of the day, one of the things that it's the sum of all of these three things, that is the culture you're trying to drive, the culture needs to be much more about flexibility, about the ability to respond quickly in a decentralized way. So it affects your org structure, less layers, less hierarchy, more self-autonomous teams. In a way, you are not rules-based, you are principles-based and you're outcomes-based. So that's actually a very different culture. A lot of times we're helping our clients starting from all the way from the leadership team, how are they going to behave differently? And it actually gets into very simple things like what's their leader action plan? How are they going to behave differently tomorrow in a meeting where they are not giving solutions? They're actually refusing to give answers. They're just saying, what's the, how can I help you? But it's a different mindset. And that's what, it, that's what the culture needs to be. Now, when you're talking with organizations who have been um, around for a while, so it's a um, heritage organizations, mm -hmm. banks, insurance companies that have been around for perhaps over a hundred years. Um, obviously this is a very new type of culture, a new type of thinking. Um, can you describe how that, how the, a company like that could approach this kind of drastic change? Yeah. Um, and I think the, 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 the challenge often that I find when I talk to CEOs about it is it seems uh, a little bit amorphous and it seems too big a change. And what we're saying is actually what you, what you can do as leaders is actually get very specific in very specific instances because you don't need to be bionic as a whole organization, but let's start with some of the use cases because culture is sort of a cascading effect. So you want to start with like kind of the small ripples that will spread through. So one thing is you want to start small, but make it very specific. So pick a customer outcome you want. Then build the technology, build the team, build the incentive systems and the structure you want in a pilot to actually get to outcomes. So that's one part of the equation, which is make it tangible. Uh, the other thing is 
we, you do want to have a vision of where you want to go in a two-year time frame. We typically don't like to think about time frames beyond two to three years because it's too far away in this day and age. But having an end state around where you want to be is a helpful way to bridge to that through these small pilot pilots. So it's around having an end goal in mind with a roadmap, but then having very specific, tangible initiatives to go after. So when you think of, um, like, go back to this, this heritage or legacy organization who, again, who has, hasn't been thinking in this way um, mm-hmm. to date, and you give them a two-year time frame, uh, mm-hmm. do you see that this, this two-year time frame for them is, oh my gosh, we, we can't get anything done in two years because we're so large. It's like turning the Titanic. It's a very difficult thing for us to be as nimble um, as that to actually have effective change within in two years. How do you mm-hmm. approach um, you know, this, this sort of windowed uh, view of making a change? Is it a, yeah, let's just do it. How do you approach it? Yeah. So the Bionic Framework talks about three things. It talks about sort of the business outcomes. And the business outcomes are what outcomes do you want for the consumer? What outcomes do you want from an operations point of view? And it, it basically talks about your commercial uh, value chain. And then it talks about your technology and your people as enablers of those outcomes, right? So when you're talking about this, uh, a two-year journey, you want to prioritize. What's your start point? Where do you want to, where do you want to index? Because you're not trying to solve everything. So some people start with, okay, I want to make the customer journey a little bit unique and bionic to solve to some outcomes. That's a customer-centric view. You start with that. And because you start with that one thing, you start pulling on the threads of technology as well as the org structure, right? And so your two-year vision could be all about just that. doesn't need to be everything else. But through implementing that, you will need to change part of your structure. You will need to part change part of your technology. For example, if I need to go to market in a unique way, and right now I have a data mess, right? It's it's a total mess that I can't, I, I, I don't have systems talking to each other. How do I get a 360 view of the customer? You can actually try to implement a big ERP system or some sort of a system, which doesn't solve anything because it's three years out. Or you can say, okay, what's my, if I were a startup, how would I create the data lake and the APIs in a very short sort of scalable way that I can meet that particular need. And that's where you start. And because you have that nucleus, then somebody in a year's time in that data team is going to say, hey, I've done this really well. Can I scale it up for the rest of my business? So you create that momentum. Does that make sense? Yeah, it almost sounds like an intrapreneur type of thing where you're building teams that can look at things differently. How does that affect the broader teams who are still doing things the same way? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, this is one of the one of the challenges, especially when you think about you know one of the questions I get, especially you know if you think about the automotive industry, which is being quite disrupted by by Tesla, right? And th- there has been a lot of uh, you know a lot of my clients, and we do a lot of this work around. Let's look at how Tesla does it. And let's let's see how we can be Tesla. And the the you're sort of missing the point because Tesla is like starting from a blank sheet of paper. So they can put all the pieces where they want it. If you look at Tesla's org structure, it actually looks very similar to Apple in the sense that they have a software division, they have a hardware division, and then they have good interfaces. Um, you can't do that if you're a GM today in one go, right? So you have to actually say you're getting to the same outcomes. You're not going to get to the same in the, in the same way to that same structure. 
So there are different ways of doing it. There are different models, I guess. One is you incubate in a separate standalone entity, which is one extreme of the business. The other is that you're actually taking, a, you're ring fencing a particular business unit or a particular business idea and actually innovating within that. So it's a legacy business, but you're asking that business to transform versus every, everyone else to transform. Um, and within that, there, there's a spectrum of things that you'll have to trade off on, but I think it really depends on what your start point is. You don't want to do one thing or the other just because I think you want to start with uh, what's the talent you have, what's the level of resistance you're going to face, and how innovative do you need to be to compete in that market? And it's the combination of those three things which will drive you to a solution. Either you do it a complete standalone or you embed it into the current business. Gotcha. I imagine as you're reviewing those options of how you go about it, a lot may depend on the personnel, the actual people that are in place who who may be able to support those type of activities versus in one area versus another, just based on their personality. Is that the case? Yeah, that is the case. Um, so we're helping this, uh, uh, this uh, over a hundred year old company, right? Incredibly successful, incredible brand in the market. And they are, um, you know, with, with the new technology and the new space of uh, technology players where they're a hardware business, but the hardware software intersection is like really where the action is now. They, you know, they did, we did a strategy for them and they, they, there's one attractive space we found, which is an intersection of hardware and software. But how do you go about building that business is one of the things that they've always grappled with. And the key thing is we, we looked at those three dimensions. The business is very different from what, they're, what they have today. They don't have the internal capabilities. And they have a very strong culture that's going to kill any innovation if you do it within. So that led us to the answer of, okay, let's create a standalone entity and let's create a startup team that's going to be funded in a venture seed model and they're going to stand up the business. Now, you, 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 know, you remember I talked about like kind of how do you use this as a way of transforming the core? The same leadership team that is used to approving capital in a 12 month process for any build is now going through a venture board, which every 12 weeks or every eight weeks actually makes a decision, go no go decision on investment. So the leadership team is living a new way of actually investing. So that's the kind of change. So the new leadership team is also experiencing a new way of working, which is which has been quite good to see. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you can teach old dogs new tricks. Uh, I, I find that actually that that's quite doable as long as you have the dog that is willing. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Abhi, I want to thank you so much for sharing your insights about uh, BCG's bionic company framework and how it can be applied right now. Um, the examples you provided should give us all some good ideas on how we can start transforming our organizations using this type of concept. So I want to thank you very much. Oh, for that. A pleasure. Thank you for having me, Michael. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now. Thank you.